but there's a, a, a push on the rest of the world, which is most of the rest of the world, especially as far as billions of people go, that go, if you talk about your society, you talk about your friends and community, and you don't talk about God at all, you're, you're weird. You're disconnected. You're not going to be a positive influence in that society. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and we talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. So Willie, this is my friend Nace. Hey, Nace. Um, so Willie? Willie and I went to seminary together at Covenant. Yep. So I've known him for 20, 20 some years. Uh, Nace, I knew as a freshman in college. Yeah. So I've known him about 31 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And I, can you believe that? He's rolling his eyes. No. Yeah. No. That's, yeah. So Nace is a, is a friend. We were in FCA together, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Gotcha. Um, we then graduated and lived in Texas to do yeah. Tom Nelson's program. Yeah. Uh, in the same house. We were roommates. Yeah. With yeah. Uh, three other guys. Okay. It was an animal house. It right, was a right. rough house. <laughs> Lots of broken furniture. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Stuff that we got. I mean, I don't know. Nace, you remember that chair? that um, we got off the side of the road that yes. was in someone's trash and it had been in a fire. Yes. <laughs> but we <laughs> needed a chair. <laughs> and it worked. And um, it had three legs, so we just broke off the other three since it was missing one. Oh, my. So it would sit flat on the floor. <laughs> Boom. And we threw a sheet over the burnt material. Oh, my goodness. And that was our TV chair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We had an episode about uh, yes, yeah, uh, basic income, and yes. you wanted you had, you had a bone to pick with it. So uh, <laughs> I did, yeah. I did, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I definitely have the. I know much. I know as much to get in trouble. Yeah. You know, uh, but the universal basic income is a, it's a wonderful idea and a wonderful uh, place where it has had some benefit. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, like uh, Willie said many times, it's, it's never truly been tested, never truly been done on a broad scale. Yeah. And, uh, and my, my touch on that is the, all of us getting checks for uh, what, $1,200 here and then 20, $2,500. And, and then we see what has happened in our current economy is going, oh, what? All this money supply increase. And one just shot up with all this fake money and oh my goodness, look, inflation. And that's what happens when you, you pump so much currency, so much money into the economy superficially, which UBI in my estimation would be, it would be artificial stimulant. You're not selling like Alaska, you're not selling oil and then spreading that across, that profit across. You're putting everyone at a certain amount. So that, that's that's my a general bone to pick with EBI. Uh, it also goes, it's almost an argument from silence. Like really, like you're saying, it's really never been tried. So, sure. Hey. Um, um, but for me, uh, one of the things that I really have enjoyed recently is uh, my a connection with economics of mutuality, EOM. Economics of mutuality. Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, we're, y'all probably familiar with Hobby Lobby. Yeah. Right. For the Green family, it's a big, you know, huge store, Christian owned, private, privately owned. Um, they created the uh, Museum of the Bible here locally. I, I, I'm in uh, D.C. Another uh, 
public privately owned company that's done really well is uh, Christian Family is the Mars uh, company. So Mars bars, uh-huh. uh, everywhere for, from candies to just tons of tons of things. So they're they went and like okay, being Christians, we know that the bottom line of business isn't just profit, making more and more and more money. Right. So they asked, well, what is it? And when they asked, they hired a couple of world-class uh, economics professors to come up with a new system. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, they understood where Mars was coming from. So they got some Bible scholars and got some people together, and these discussions, and they came up with economics and mutuality. So um, one of the bigger pieces of the pie right now uh, of this discussion is not EOM, it's ESG. Are y'all familiar with ESG? Um, no. no, I know MSG. I have that yes. in Chinese food. Yes, I think you've consumed lots of it. Yeah. It seems like, right. Yes, <laughs> down in Texas, we had quite a bit of that. Oh, we did. Yeah. Um, so ESG, and you'll find this in, in lots of business and investment literature, is where these companies are going, okay, we have a, we're trying to get a conscience, supposedly. And to be a, a, a positive influencer in our world, we're going to put our money to companies that are ESG compliant. And ESG is environmental, societal, and governance. So you have a positive influence on the environment and some mm-hmm. in different metrics. You have a positive influence uh, on society. Mm-hmm. And obviously, then, a, then your governance is more flatlined. You're not... You want to invest in companies that aren't like, oh, we have our CEO making two hundred fifty million, right. and ninety percent of our companies making fifteen dollars an hour, right? And it's not just wage, but it's also um, mm-hmm. ability to communicate. And so, you're, it's like I said, it's a more flatlined hierarchy. All right. So they're establishing a criteria in which to judge the almost the moral compass and profitability hand in hand of companies. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, and that's yeah, that's that's definitely ESG. EOM goes a step further to more uh, crystallize that for, uh, especially for Mars, mm-hmm. for so more of a Christian base. And but it's definitely not stamped Christian. They have a seat at Oxford. Um, they're you know pulling the pushing this all out all around the world. So there's a place here locally that's trying to establish so that we can train people in EOM. Mm-hmm. So, because you get, you know, what is a positive influence for the environment? What does that look like? Yeah, that's pretty subjective. I guess they're, they're, that's what the think tank is doing is trying to establish some metrics of what, uh, you know, where would this be a, a positive influence? Uh, right. Yeah. How, how can we uh, have, keep the business going and have profit right. and yet right. still be considered profitable for the society around us? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so the S in that for ESG, the separate, that, which is, again, a lot more well-known in the investment circles, is very, um, in the West, it's very atheistic. They don't speak really anything of, of religion or mm-hmm. spirituality at all. But there's a, a, a push on the rest of the world, which is most of the rest of the world, especially as far as billions of people go, that go if you talk about your society, you talk about your friends and community and you don't talk about God at all, you're, you're weird. Right. You're disconnected. You're not going to be a positive influence in that society. Yeah. So 
it, how to integrate that is a huge uh, issue for ES in my right. estimation for ESG. So uh-huh. go ahead. Well, I just had a question. Um, so is it, is it just a grassroots um, pressure and, hey, this is the club. If you want to do business uh, in the future, um, everyone's going to be doing business with us. So you need to do business this way. Um, you know, I don't understand. Like, how do, you, how do you really get people to do that? Well, I think that's part of how you get people to do that is getting enough people to have enough money. No, and they say, this is where our money's going to go. No, how, <laughs> do you, how do you get a business? How do you convince uh, right. Jeff Bezos that, that um, right. having hundreds of billions of dollars isn't really necessary and he can pay his people more and he can do more for society? I mean, how do you, how do you get him to buy in? That's, that's a great question. Um, and I think just like with most other sales things, are you going to try to sell Bezos anything? Yeah. Uh, you know, just, as a matter so of fact, it's, it's, I think he's not even the CEO of Amazon anymore. So no, he's not. <laughs> he's, and yeah, it, yeah, he was. He was. He just got you know going the battle with Biden over the whole tax policy, and he's tweeting it. And a friend of mine uh, tweeted back, going, "Hey, if you you know a great place for you to to really discuss this is like an op-ed. If you only knew uh, had some influence over a of a publication that <laughs> you can write an op-ed in." Mm-hmm. which of course he owns the Washington post. Right, yeah, right, right. So, yeah. So it's, I think it's not as much convincing Bezos. I'd, I'd rather, you know, Bill Gates and um, who's the other mm-hmm. slightly rich person. Slightly, um, yeah. Like they can talk about it, but for me, it's more, especially as for my friends and the places I can have any influence mm-hmm. is to say, okay, you know, at the end of the day, what are you going to go to God with? What are you, how are you responsible? And most of my friends who own businesses, they do care about their employees. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and we can, we are, so I'm sure really we all share stories there. It, so it really is a pure grassroots kind of word to mouth kind of join in with this. Right now. Yeah. Have a social right now, conscience. Yeah. yeah. And where Mars has spoken into it, they've put their money where their mouth is mm-hmm. and pretty much bought a chair at Oxford, mm-hmm. England, you know. That's, that's pretty impressive. So that's more of a top-down approach. Mm-hmm. But um, so a friend of mine, he is a brewer in Chicopee, Virginia. And uh, one of the issues that he has is like you're trying to find food because in Virginia, when you're a brewery, you really you're only supposed to you know sell beer. You're not supposed to provide food. That's why you have food trucks coming all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's this prop, there's this building there that's like we could use that as a seafood place. We can maybe sell seafood and then they can stay here and be better for the business, be a mutually encouraging business. And so um, I was like, okay, let's do this. And so we invested a little bit of money to get this going. But the, the idea for this seafood market is for me, my EOM example, my EOM, this is what I'm trying to do. So uh, the pay scale like, what are we going to pay the locals to be able to work and work over the summer? How much can we do? And uh, making sure that as we do, we profit as a business that they can do well as well. Um, our the food we sell is locally uh, gathered from around that area. Uh, and we want to focus on the most helpful seafood there is, which is to me is, is oysters. Mm-hmm. So we're in the Bay. And the Bay has been notorious, Chesapeake Bay, for a lot of water issues. But the yeah. best cleaner there is, is the oyster. 
And so if we can get people into oysters and selling more oysters and putting them out there, that makes the people in the sea not just get crabs out, but actually plant, in a sense, in a, in a, in a, uh, in a seaway, agricultural way, uh, or aquacultural way, planting more oysters that will help filter through the water and help, you know, so that helps the environment, helps us, and it helps the workers. And therefore, hopefully making really a mutually uh, profitable thing for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. You feel that if, um, uh, I don't know if you agree with me, when I, uh, there was one episode where I talked about uh, sliding scale and taxes, that if you have benefited right. greatly from the system, you have a greater responsibility to support the system that has supported you. Um, there, there are narratives out there that say, I've worked harder, I've had more talent, I had a, I had a better idea, which may be true, and, and, and I think you can succeed, but it's a matter of degree, right? At what point right. is, is a, an immoral amount of money when people are working for a wage that doesn't really provide their kids an education, they, they have trouble acquiring property and acquiring uh, cars and things like that. You know, at what point is it immoral? Right. Um, do you think it's fair for a government um, to more heavily tax the people who have benefited or, uh, you know, a use tax, a, a corporate tax um, that could be distributed in some other way than universal basic income? Well, they it definitely already exists. Right? Sure. They're, they're do, yeah, they're doing it now. And, and I think in general, the way I view society and, and good culture, you know, what's, what's the common good? Looking, as we're talking about the government, we're not looking, I'm not going to be talking about the kingdom of God. I'll be talking about the common good. What's the best, the most good for the most people. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, which we would say as pastors, um, with, with, when Jesus says, when much is given, much is expected. Right. And when little is given, well, not as much is expected. And so for those, and the business owners and the people that I've known that have really have been able to accumulate wealth, mm-hmm. not everyone, uh, but the ones, <laughs> the ones I call my friends, no, uh, they're the ones that really feel burden for their workers and sure, their products sure. and, and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, but when it gets outside to the uh, outside the church, I think that there is a general premise. And, and, and that's where I think ESG, I think the culture itself has said, when we do better as a culture, everyone succeeds more. And it, 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 when more people are investing and everyone is growing and rising the tides, mm-hmm. then it is. Then, then companies do better and people do better and people have more money to spend. And, mm-hmm. and that's the, and it goes back to economics. That's the whole growth mindset. Yeah. Uh, the worst thing, the two worst things for the economy is that it stops growing, you know, uh-huh. you know recession and inflation. Like those things are just killers. Yeah. So. Sure. And I think, I think everybody, I mean, from, you know, going back hundreds of years, everyone would say what you're saying. So people would, uh, I think most people recognize if we all are doing better, then we're all doing better. And this is a societal thing. But we got lots and lots and lots of economic injustice. And so I don't know. I, I, I love the, the, uh, I don't know. I I I, uh, I love the uh, ESG stuff that you're talking about. Uh, I have very little faith in. I, I think that for some people, especially Christians, uh, and maybe others as well. Well, certainly others. Uh, that's going to be really motivating. 
But when push comes to shove, I don't have a whole lot of faith in uh, people uh, to do the right thing, just generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Especially per, around money and power. You know, <laughs> right, right. And, and, and history has proven that out as well. Yeah, there's and good reason for me to be skeptical about that. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's where having a big brother, which is a government, to come in and go, no, this is what we you need to do yeah. when you have more, because you're not in general going to do that in and of yourself. Right, right. Um, but then you also go with uh, Gates, and who's the who's the guy? Warren Buffett? Is that Buffett, who thank you. Of? Buffett yeah. and Gates, that, that, that they're actually looking to give away all their money. Yeah. Another part of that on a, a darker side of it would be, well, we're going to give it away, because if the government had it, they're going to waste it. Sure. And so we're going to have our hands on it and we're going to push it to where it needs to go. Yeah. And we're going to steward it and, and put it to things that we believe yeah. in. And yeah. Yeah. We, I think I would completely agree that I don't want the government um, taking more tax and then mishandling money as they've demonstrated over oh, yeah, our history. Sure, they don't, sure. they can't handle money. Well, they make bad decisions. There's corruption. Yeah. Um, it's, it becomes a, a power play of who's going to get the money, who's going to get the insider trading yep, information. Yep, yep. Um, and I've said this over and over. I don't think our problem is so much the polarization of Democrats and Republicans. Oh, that's a huge problem. I feel like there right. is, and I won't say Illuminati or some sort of conspiracy theory, but there are people um, at the top who are benefiting from the polarization. Yes. Um, at the bigger problem is the corruption of money, the flow of money, yeah. and the rules being written at the highest level, the CEOs and folks of big, big corporations changing our laws that, you know, so um, in a grassroots movement, um, where can I make interest? Um, well, I, I can't make right. interest anywhere, right? And I've tried right. to make interest in uh, in the crypto market because that's where I'm actually being offered interest, but um, it's it's uh, not foolproof, you know. And the, the crash of Luna, which happened here recently, uh, really bit right. me in the butt. That was a great yep. token, and it it fell apart by by a purposed attack by very wealthy people. Some very wealthy people have so much money they could manipulate the market in the system and actually cause a crash in a in a rather new and susceptible. Um, you know, uh, financial system. And then I, right. you know, and so I keep losing, losing, losing because I'm not at the top of the game. I can't right. write the rules and I can't manipulate the markets. Um, right. And, and just to say to the world, Hey, uh, we need to do better. <laughs> I don't right. know. Yeah. But you made a point about now, how could government be tied into ESG? Like how could, instead of taking right. taxes, instead of implementing a higher tax rate and then them falsely or, or, or brokenly, right. you know, distributing money or taking money, how can they, uh, how can we get government that cares about people and, and right. societal responsibility, environmental responsibility? And, and I think that's where, with just like good parenting, it's better to build something of a reward system rather than a punishment system. Mm-hmm. How do we reward companies that uh, do engage in things that you want them to do, uh, to be quote unquote green, to, to, to have a smaller carbon footprint to, uh, like, you know, when it comes, the easiest one is for years has been, uh, agriculture and corn. Like the, the government has subsidized corn for as long as we've been alive. Oh yeah. And so there's that carrot. And so, yeah. so, and then what happens with that? Well, businesses will take that carrot and look, we have all this. Okay. Well, well now 
that is you know used for um, what's the the sh- sugar substitute, the high fructose corn syrup. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, and look what it's done to our society, and how you know what devastation has that done with diabetes and so forth. Right. So how can it switch to better incentivize things mm-hmm. that will decrease diabetes? That will so it can it does a good job of motivating and then moving things. Right. So I'd rather it incentivize good behavior and uh, rather than just punish, i.e., tax bad behavior. Yeah. Um, that I think it's but that takes creativity, time, and uh-huh. and this you know DC is not known for that. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Um, that that reminds me of uh, the heroin problem. You know that um, that are all these heroin derivatives uh, compounds oh, yeah. that they that it takes so long to get them outlawed that chemists have tweaked the compound so that there's another two or three compounds. They're ahead of the system, so that people right. are still getting high off some compound that is currently not illegal. They, right. they have to go through the process to make it illegal, but they've then they've tweaked the compound again. And as the compound gets tweaked, it gets more and more risky and unhealthy. And they're you know right. the the supposed bath salts that they sell at gas stations where people are getting crazy out of their mind, uh, running into walls and jumping off tracks and you know, right. Um, right. And that yeah, it's like there there's uh, society keeps trying to find its way. Uh, the people right. who are hungry for money are always trying to manipulate and work the system and find right. the, the leaky spots and push through. Uh, right. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and that's where the church and, and the kingdom of God is upside down. And we, there, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom. Uh-huh. Um, and I've, you know, and it's because the kingdom's upside down. It doesn't, what profits, in God's kingdom is not profit in the world. Right. And, and it's just, and so when we speak to the world and we speak to powers and we tell them they should have different um, goals mm-hmm. or we're speaking in a whole different language. And mm-hmm. so there's only, there's, there's so much that I think we can get to do in government, um, even yeah. as a democracy or slash really a Republic. Um, so I see that point. Yeah, yeah what you're saying is yeah, that that's good. the people have to have a different view. Right. The people must demand certain things. Um, I I think I need help with that. I think I've I've gotten a little bit cynical, and I need I need to be uh, you know encouraged and invigorated uh, that that if we if enough people are saying uh, uh, the right thing, we need we right. need to do the right thing. Then then maybe their voices will be heard. I do feel currently that my vote is is useless and. Um, there, that everywhere, if I could, if I could rise up, um, even if I'm a buffoon, uh, with fake right. hair and a fake colored skin, <laughs> I, I, could, I could rise up and say, I'm going to, I'm going to get rid right. of all this corruption. Um, right. the American people are like, yes, yeah. we don't care that you sleep with porn right. stars and you've, you know, done this to other people and wrecked their economies. Right. And we want you because you've promised to do something right. to end this corruption, uh, right? Drain the, drain the swamp, drain the drain swamp, right. drain the swamp, right, right. 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 Yeah, and, and and we do we 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 love that, and that's where that speak really hit the rust belt, you know, and it mm-hmm. turned the rust belt, and and it is a question if you know for the past forty years, fifty years, uh, Democrats have said we're for the poor, we're we're for the minorities, we're for the weak, and yet 
how much better are we after 50 years? Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, they're they're looking to change, you know, and and vice versa with the with the Republicans as right. well. Right. So, I I have no hope for, for that and for me, I like when I when I read uh, the book of Revelation and I'm talking to two covenant progressive dispensational. So just hold with me. <laughs> um yeah, and no one else, you know, that's listening in this will know what we're talking about. Yeah, uh, you, 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 I see these images and these these uh, these these metaphors and in the in the revelation of Christ and saying uh, this woman or this beast comes here or this bear, you know, whatever. And there's a, one of the truths I think that John is portraying here is that nation states, uh, multinational corporations, uh, power is like a living being yeah, yeah and that's right. that's uh, right. and just like with us like when we start stop growing we start dying and when it comes to different nation states different corporations they're, they're all about this growth mindset mm-hmm. and which is great until you have cancer yeah you know and then that grows dis- disproportionately and it can kill something or they do something to protect itself and they get scared. And, and I think when we look at governments and we look at uh, corporations, they, I think it's more to the point of going, they're not really trying to hurt other people. It's just, they just want to survive mm-hmm. and they'll do whatever they, they need to do to keep their, their stocks rising, to keep their, their company bottom line growing. And I think that's the piece for us as Christians to be light and salt to them is going, we just need to change what they see as their true bottom line. Mm-hmm. What is, what is the best metrics to measure success and say, I'm going to invest my money in a, in a company that is that does cares about things. the environment, yeah. cares about the people who are working at the bottom. Yeah. That's right. Excellent. Right. right. Mm-hmm. All the way around. And that, and that's what we, you know, can we shift the whole culture? I, I don't think that God calls us to that. I think you know we speak to it when mm-hmm. and speaking on the podcast. Yeah, we speak to it, but we have to live it first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and good. that's where for me, uh, they're putting in this small seafood market in Chicoteague, Virginia. Like I saw that, mm-hmm. and I probably will not ever get a red cent from that. But unto my wife and I, as we <laughs> invested in it, we're like, okay, this is under God. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and it's not just a tithe to a church, money to a church. That's God's money. It's everything we have is God's money. Yeah. So yeah. my investments, I want to see that way too. And and as, as y'all have influence and talk over, uh, you know, people in your congregations that own, own businesses, like they need to have, and y'all incorporate a vision of success more than, you know, getting enough money to upgrade your car to a Lexus to a Mercedes mm-hmm. or whatever a Tesla. So, yeah. Well, hey, in just the last few minutes, I know um, you're a, a critic of crypto or concerned about crypto. I've, I've often wondered if crypto has um, <laughs> has any hope to change our economic system to provide, um, you know, instead of the, the, the banks making 18 percent interest and offering us 0.7 percent interest. You know, if, if there's a, a way that, that they can be um, taken out of the guys at the top, can be taken out of their hands. Um, so that's, that's kind of my hope with crypto is it could, it could right. revolutionize the economic system. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I, I love that. And there's some swamp land in Florida. I'd love to sell you. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I think, I think what we just saw with Luna, 
yeah. and which is tied to the dollar and that just and people just going after it uh-huh. uh the powers that be have way too much power and yep. it's not just it's not just money you know here comes the government and they're going to kind of try to uh, regulate, regulate it and uh-huh, pull it uh-huh. and that's already it's, happened, it's, yeah. like you said yeah and it goes so is there a place for crypto I hope so. I think it's more in the um, capacity of encrypting different um, secure, like encrypting things for more secure Mm -hmm. uh, work, not as much as um, new systems crypto as in, yeah, as in fiat currency. I don't, I don't see that as much. And because one of the things that I'm, I'm, and this is for another day uh, is uh, when it comes to quantum computing, so uh-huh. quantum computing is right, it's, it's right on the cusp. And when quantum computing comes in play, how secure is crypto anymore? Mm-hmm. Will, will so, encryption follow along with the quantum uh, progressions? We'll see. Uh, yeah. I don't, yeah, but it's more who gets to hold the, the quantum gun. Uh-huh. And, and that's why I go, I, for me personally, I, that's my mm-hmm. biggest pullback from crypto is going, I... Yeah. I just don't see it being secure for another five to 10 well, years. Well, I think we've just seen so. that it's not secure yeah, yet. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so, uh, and as far as the, being a progressive dispensationalist, <laughs> been, um, oh boy, do you have any... <laughs> That's something yeah. we really know more about, right? Do, yeah, do you have fear of a global economy? Um, we're in a global economy. No, I mean a, a, a single fiat or a single crypto, um, you know, the, the euro, the dollar, the... I mean, I know what you're saying. Right. Like, the dollar's everywhere, but it's not... I mean, there are other currencies. Right. Well, yeah. the ruble. And, and what, it's, it's been... Am I fearful of it? I'm fearful of any one person having too much power. There you go. Period. I'm with you there. Right. With you so, there. it's, you know, when it comes to, like I said, the ruble in Russia and people going after the ruble, well, look what happened. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because it's Russia <laughs> right. and they have gas and they have oil and like people still need it. And so it's, it's, it, it is tied to their national security. Mm-hmm. It, the ruble, if we would have, if they would have been successful in deflating the, the ruble so much that it would have caused inflation. And so it, it's, it's foolish to think that currency is not power. Yeah. Of and, course and, and, and governments are not going to give up that power. Right. Uh, yeah, and look at uh, Beatrix for Britain. So that's an yeah. example of that getting out of the EU. Yeah. Well, thanks, Nace. We are going to take a break, and we will be back with Nace Lanier soon. Um, my buddy and roommate from Texas. Quick story. Uh, we're going to have to talk about this church sign that you ran through and smashed oh, yeah. at the church we were attending. <laughs> so I want to hear about that. Yeah, we'll take a break, and we'll. We'll get back with Nace. This is William with the Hopper Podcast. It seems like most of what I see on TV and social media is all hyper-polarized and hyper-polarizing. At the Hopper Podcast, we're trying to listen and learn. We're looking for truth wherever it is, even if it makes us look bad. And if that sounds good to you, join us. Tell others about the Hopper Podcast, and we'll all learn together. Dave, I was reminded recently of the Milgram Experiments. Okay. Um, uh, we had talked recently about World War II, and uh, after World War II, there was the Nuremberg trials where uh, they were putting war criminals mm-hmm. on trial, right? 
and particularly uh, Adolf Eichmann, um, who uh, directed the um, uh, genocide of the Jewish people, which was, of course, a massive, massive effort by lots and lots of German people. And all the people who were involved in that said, I was just doing what I was told. Mm -hmm. I was just doing what I was told. Right. And following orders. Nobody could believe that. Mm. Everyone said, this is, there's no, if I was in that situation, I would not do mm. what they did. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this guy, Milgram, um, what was his first name? I don't remember his first name. Stanley, Stanley Milgram, um, in Yale University in the 1960s said, let me design yeah. an experiment to see. Yeah, he wanted to prove because because they mm -hmm. were because some people were saying no, nah, maybe you would do it, and maybe and he actually he designed this experiment to demonstrate that anyone who's put into a situation like that where they're being told what to do, if they're being told to hurt someone, they're not going to do it. So he designed this um, experiment, uh, and that that was the explicit reason for it. That's now become famous experiment uh, called the Milgram experiment. What he did is he would he brought in forty men that he recruited using newspaper ads. That's how they used to do it then, and gave them some money, and uh, then he would he paired them up. But every every one of the forty men was paired with the exact same person. But they thought that the other person was was one of the other experiment uh, people. Uh, and so, uh, so they all got paired with one person, and they and they, they flipped a coin, which was uh, uh, decided ahead of time. So it mm -hmm. looked like it was a it random. was a random, but it wasn't. Yeah. And the the person that was being done that the, the, that they were doing the experiment on um, became uh, a teacher, and then the other person became a learner. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they thought it was um, the teacher thought that it was uh, random, but it wasn't. And so then they put them, put, they sent the learner into another room right. with, a, with, a, with a wall there, and the teacher, and so they had a, they could speak back and forth, but they couldn't see each other. And so they said, we want the teacher, we want you to teach the learner a particular set of words and then have the learner repeat back to you a certain thing. And if the learner gets it wrong, we want you to shock the right. person with an electric shock. Yeah, this is, yeah, I remember. You this. remember this? Yeah. yeah. And so then they said- so They had a button there to push to shock the person. Exactly. Uh -huh. That's right. And then they, they said, if they get it wrong again, then you have to increase the shock. And if they yeah. get it wrong again, you have to increase the shock, and it goes up and up and up. And so, uh, well, the learner was always the same exact person, and the learner uh, went into the other room, and then once the learner went into the other room- Everything else was completely from that person was yeah. completely scripted, and it was yeah. a, a, a recording. They were acting a role. They, they were acting a role, yep. but the person wasn't even involved anymore. It's a <clears> recording, <throat> uh -huh. and so when they would get shocked, the person would inevitably get the answer wrong. And so then, okay, you need to shock the person. Okay, here's a mild shock, mm -hmm. and then the person would say, "Ow!" Well, that "ow" was a recording, mm -hmm. and it was the same for every single person, um, to, in order to keep the control mm -hmm. exactly the same. And when the and so they had to shock greater and greater and greater as right. the person kept getting it wrong. So they were outright hollering. And, yeah, yeah, they're screaming out. for mercy. Okay, now this entire time you have someone in a white lab coat with a clipboard, right. saying, uh, you, you know, <clears throat> telling them what to do. Telling what to do. And so when the learner would say, "I, I think I want to stop," like that, I'm really hurting somebody. Then the person with the white lab coat was instructed to say. Um, 
increasingly one of four things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you, they had to start with number one, and then they then if the person didn't respond, they had to go to number two, uh-huh. and if still not respond, then three, and then four. These were the four things. The first is please continue. Mm-hmm. And then if the person didn't continue, the second would be they would say the experiment requires that you continue. The third statement, it is absolutely essential that you continue. And number four, you have no other choice. You must go on. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as they got greater and greater shocks, right. uh, you know, higher and higher voltage, um, they're like people scream, you know, the person in the other room is screaming and the person is saying, I have a heart condition. Um, I, I can't, you know, you, you've got to stop. And at some point, the uh, the you shock the person and it's completely silent, right? And then, and then they go, well, what am I supposed to do? So if the person doesn't respond, that's an incorrect response. You must shock them. I don't want to. Please continue. You know, I, like they would right. go through that, and almost everybody went all the way up to where they thought they had shocked the person to death. Yeah. And. Uh, it's the opposite of what Milgram thought he would find. Right. Um, this was so. And when they interviewed the people afterwards, they said, "Well, the experiment was being done by Yale University. Right. The person is a scientist; they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not my choice. I'm just doing what I'm told. Right. It's all exactly what Nazis were saying. The, uh, the Nazis, yeah. the the Germans were saying." who were being instructed by the Nazis to execute. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's um it's disheartening. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's hard to imagine that that would be true for every generation. We just talked about generations and yeah. the changes yeah. that happen societally. Yeah. I think that that um I would like to see this redone with some millennials. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's been done recently, but it had it was redone uh, shortly afterwards because nobody could believe that yeah. this was actually. So it was redone in various ways, uh-huh. some exactly the same, and some in various other ways where you would hurt someone in various ways, or whatever. Um, and the results were pretty overwhelmingly similar. I mm-hmm. don't know if it's been done recently. Part of the problem with it being done now is the lack of ethics. And so part of the ethical concerns is that people, uh, the use of deception, uh-huh. and um, that now when you experiment with people, uh, ethical considerations require that people know what the study is about, at least to some degree. And um, yeah, there's not... I don't think that that, that kind of uh, research could be done. Which is interesting. In this I'm not world sure today. I agree with that. If you're really trying to understand human psychology, I think experiments are going to have to involve some deception. Yeah, they're allowed to involve some deception, but there is. I, I don't think that that the mm-hmm. ethical review boards would allow yeah. this level of deception. Right, right. Because it it, it creates a kind of psychological. Um, uh, uh, trauma. Mm-hmm. The experiment itself has the potential to mm-hmm. cause no, significant um, psychological psychological trauma, and yep. e- ethical yep. boards would not allow that. Right, right. Um, I, although I, I'm with you, I understand. 
I understand both sides of that. I, I, yeah. I understand the ethics. I don't want. I to... don't think we should be causing trauma to anyone. No, but um, you can understand how this could right. do that very easily. Yeah. yeah. On the other hand, I, I, I do want research to go forward, and I, right. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, anyway, another thing that this brings up is we don't know how we. All of us, we don't know how we would react in various right. situations. That's right. Especially stressful situations. I can look yeah. at something and say, I wouldn't do that if I were in that situation. Well, yeah, you don't really know we that. We don't really know. And, <clears throat> you know, you watch the shows like What Would You Do? Yes. Um, John Keonis and yes, uh, the, yes, yes. the various experiments. And I, I, I swear to you, it depends on my mood or, totally. yeah, like how I'm feeling that day. And totally. I'd have a different response on a different day. And, yes. Um, there are times when I just wouldn't want to be involved and, you know, just like walk out. Or other right. times I might, I might stand up and say something or do something. And, yes. And it, it's just, uh, I don't think there's any way to get a, a clear statistically significant read on even myself. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But certainly we would, there are different, our circumstances can change what we would and wouldn't do. Absolutely. There's no question about that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And given the right circumstances, who knows what you're capable of? I don't think we do. Absolutely. No, there's no question about that. Yeah. There's no question about that. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's and it's scary. Psychology um, tells us that our, our minds don't always work the way that we think that they do or right. will. We don't even remember things like we think we do. That's right. Um, we imprint something that's off, but we swear that it's accurate. Yeah, um, yeah, that's happened a yeah. bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my understanding—I don't have it in front of me. Research basically shows that the more often you remember something and recall something the more degraded the memory becomes mm. and the more falsehood leaks in mm. because your mind fills in. As you remember it, your mind fills in something. And then the next time you recall it, that has become fact. Yeah. And your mind might fill in something different that changes it slightly right. different. And then if that was true, then the next time I recall it, then something else changes. And so it's actually, yeah, it's it's very interesting how memory works. We should yeah. do it. That, that should be a good... Uh, topic for the future for the hopper uh, is to like how our memory works. Right. Eyewitness testimony is often incorrect. Often incorrect. Right. Yeah. Very unreliable. And police, um, when they find someone who seems to be more reliable, they they ask them a lot more questions. Yes. Yep. Because they yeah. already know some information. They're just trying to see who knows who's going to who has the most reliable look at this. Right. Right. Yeah. to the Hopper Podcast. You made it to the end of this week's episode. Congratulations. You win a year's supply of prune juice. Mm, to claim your prize, write us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com or record a short voice memo on your phone and send it to thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we'll discuss the proper way to clean your ears. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot to say about that. And be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and join our Facebook group for more Hopper goodness. The Hopper Podcast is sponsored this week by the International Prune Association. When you're on fire down under, reach for a delicious prune. Mm. Yummy, yummy. Mm.